So good morning. I'm Michelle, as Dan just said. Um, I'm one of the team here at Central Vineyard. Um, we're in our third week of our series based on the book by John Tyson called Beautiful Resistance. We're looking at a variety of areas that challenge us to turn away from the way of the world and to live differently for the kingdom of God. A couple of pages in to the first chapter of Beautiful Resistance, John Tyson says this about the book. I have written this book to try to stir your faith that God can again use his people to bear witness to his rule and reign. I want to kindle your faith into flame so you will believe that your life can become what Jesus calls it to be. I believe that the time for a rejection of apathy and hopelessness is at hand. This book and the series will cause us to evaluate the way we live. We need to be asking ourselves questions about what following Jesus really means to us. Is what we are doing adding and aiding our formation? Or is there resistance in us to, to change? Deborah shared last week on how our worship must resist idolatry. Our attention, our focus, our heart can so easily be distracted and things capture our affection that draw us away from God. The call for us to be a transformational community is to have our hearts and our desires focused on Jesus. There is a battle in our lives and we have a choice. We drift away and our lives go cold towards the kingdom of God or we repent. We turn back to God and we worship him. And so today we continue this challenging series with another hard-hitting message, carrying on the theme of this must be stronger than that. The title for today's message is Hunger Must Resist Apathy. Our desire must be stronger than our indifference. Yes, it's a talk about putting aside our desires for comfort, resisting that place in us that is cold, where we lack interest and enthusiasm, where we shrug our shoulders and have really no concern. It's a talk about fasting, and we'll look at what that is and how we can choose to make that part of our lifestyle. But ultimately, it's a talk about what it means to set our hearts to hunger after God, wanting him above everything else. And so before I get into the message, I'd just like to pray that our hearts would be open today. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, would you come and speak to us? Lord, would you open our ears to hear you? Would you touch our hearts to respond to what you're saying to us? Would you be with us this morning? Would you challenge us? Would you change us? For your kingdom and for your glory. Amen. So nowadays, when we think of fasting, we often think metaphorically. We can fast pretty much anything. So anything that we consume, we can fast from. 
So maybe it's related to our habits. We decide to fast from social media or TV or Netflix. We put a restriction on these things in our lives for a period of time. And that's not a bad thing. Giving up things can and does help us to spend more time with God and gives us more space for that to connect with Jesus. But fasting is really associated with food. Fasting, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, is the abstinence from food or drink or both for health, ritualistic, religious or ethical purposes. It's become fairly commonplace to hear people say they are fasting or they have fasted. There's a rise in different diets that, fa that encourage fasting. We have intermittent fasting. It's becoming um, very popular because of the research shows how it benefits our health. For those who might not know what that is, um, it's going without food for a period um, of the day, say 16 hours, and so you eat between midday and 8 p.m. in the evening. Or you do the 5-2 diet, where you reduce your calorie intake on um, two days of the week. There's also those that go without certain foods as part of a detox. And we hear of those going on hunger strike to bring attention to something, fasting as a way of protest. The fast we are really focusing on is that done for religious reasons. But even that can be confusing. We know that fasting is practiced by other religions. For example, we know Muslims fast. During the month of Ramadan, all Muslims are required to abstain from food and drink from dawn to dusk for a 30-day period. And for us as Christians, we may have abstained for something, from something for Lent. We do the 40 days without chocolate. I was going to... I started doing 40 days without chocolate 34 years ago, I think. Um, and then didn't like it, so I've not eaten it since, um, which may have been a good thing. <laughs> but there will be time for us um, that we join as a church and fast, as a corporate fast. Or it may be that we want to include fasting as a regular rhythm of our spiritual disciplines. And that's what fasting is in a biblical sense. It's a spiritual practice. It's about our connection with God. It's refraining from food, not to punish ourselves, but to push ourselves deeper into God's presence. As Richard Foster says in his book, Celebration of Discipline, fasting must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated and God-ordained. We need to be worshiping with fasting. We are not to make fasting an idol. The Pharisees had in some way done that, choosing to fast twice a week when, according to the law, fasting was only required on the Day of Atonement, which incidentally was this past week. The Day of Atonement, considered the holiest day of the year in Judaism, 
was a day devoted to prayer, fasting, and repentance. Fasting had a specific purpose, a time of being made right before the Lord. For us, it's about obedience. It's following the prompt of God. It's a heart attitude before the Lord. Richard Foster goes on to say, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus. We cover up what is inside us with food and other things, but in fasting, these things surface. Fasting reveals the roots of our dependence, what we reach out to, the things that control us, the things that could really be called idols in our lives. When we are fasting, we can become more sensitive and different emotions may come to the surface. The question is, how do you handle them? When we are upset or get stressed or we're going through a tough time, we can reach out for something to comfort us. But when we're fasting, we can't do that. There's no run into the cupboard for a bag of crisps. And it's, just, it's not just the difficult times where we might reach out for something. If things are going well, we might go for a celebratory slice of cake or a takeout. Again, if you've made the choice to fast, those sort of things have to wait. At any time, we have the privilege of taking everything going on in our lives to Jesus, of bringing our celebration and our challenge to him. It's the same when we're fasting, and I would say even more so. When we are fasting, we have to decide to push ourselves into God. His presence is where we go. It's God we need. And it's God who is inviting us to greater intimacy with him. We'll look more at how fasting impacts us later. But for now, I want to look at the Bible. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Matthew 6. Um, we're going to read from verse 16. The words will appear on the screen. So Matthew 6 is part of the Sermon on the Mount, a challenging set of teaching Jesus gives to instruct his followers how to live lives that reflect him. So Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they are fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So we know fasting is something we are to do. It's not a direct command as such. There's no command to fast in the New Testament, but there is an expecta expectation that we will. Verse 17 says, but when you fast. And so it's not if, 
It's when. It's important to remember, as with all spiritual practices, that God won't love us anymore because we fast. Fasting isn't a way of twisting God's arm to listen to to us and answer our prayer. But I do believe there is something that delights the heart of Jesus when we decide to press into him, to seek him in a deeper way. And one way we can do that is by fasting. As Jesus' disciples, his apprentices, we want to grow and be more like him. And one way we do that is by doing the things he did. And he fasted. Jesus started his ministry by engaging in a 40-day fast. At the end of the 40 days, Jesus was hungry, and it was then he was tempted by the enemy. But Jesus, although physically weak, was strong in his spirit, and we read in Luke 4 that he resisted the devil and came out of this time ready for what was ahead. So fasting came during a time of preparation, a time set apart for more of God. Another example of someone who fasted in the New Testament is Anna. Luke 2 speaks of an older woman, a widow, who did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. That's an example of someone who devoted her life to God, who positioned herself to be in his presence, physically by being in the temple, but also her heart by her openness and hunger for God. And the outcome for Anna, she got to see Jesus as a baby and was so captured by him that, and what God had revealed to her that she began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's Luke 2.38. It's interesting how people's sensitivity to God's voice increases when they're fasting. It's while a group of people from the church in Antioch were worshipping the Lord and fasting in Acts 13 that the Holy Spirit spoke about um, setting apart Barnabas and Saul for the work he had called them to. And so we know Jesus fasted. We know other people in the Bible fasted. And we know we are encouraged to fast. So how do we do it? There are different kinds of fasts and for different periods. The absolute fast is very short, always very short, no longer than three days. It's where someone doesn't eat or drink at all. And I would say this is very rare. And if you were to try it, I would suggest checking it out medically with with someone with your doctor before you do it. This type of old Jewish race. So Esther called an absolute fast because desperate situations require desperate measures. The normal fast This is what we often think of when we talk about fasting. It's a period of not eating. You still drink water or other liquids, but you stop eating and take that time to pray, to read scripture, to give God your full attention. 
And we have the partial fast, which is sometimes referred to as a Daniel fast, which is where we refrain from certain categories of food. Daniel 10 verse 3 says that Daniel ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered his mouth. During a partial fast, you are still receiving sustenance, but are not you are choosing to not partake of specific food groups. Fasting and the time period it is for is very, very much a conversation between an individual and God. It is God-initiated and God-ordained. When people fast, many do it in private, as instructed in the passage we read in Matthew. But there are also times of public or corporate fasts where people commit to fasting together with a specific focus. Times of corporate fast have always been important to me. Before going on mission trips, before special events, I will join with others to fast and pray. As a vineyard movement in the UK and Ireland, there is a time, usually in January, where together we fast for that period using the time we would usually be preparing food or eating it to pray. One thing I felt God lay on my heart as I was preparing for today was our monthly upper room evenings. Could that be a time when together, corporately, we fast? Maybe just one meal on that day. I'd encourage you to think about it. Talk to Father God about it. One thing I do want to be sensitive about is those who suffer from an unhealthy view of food, whether that be food addiction or eating disorders. There is a grace to be exempt from fasting from food. Please do not fast, particularly going out with food totally, going without food totally, if you struggle. So we've looked at how we can fast. Now back to why, the why of fasting. Jennifer Miskoff, in her book, Fasting for Fire, a book I'll quote from again later, does a great job of summing up why we fast. Fasting is not a formula to get God to do what we want. Fasting is simply one of the gifts or pathways to intimacy given to us that can accelerate our growth in Christ and lead us into deeper union with him. If signs, wonders, and miracles follow times of fasting, that's amazing. However, that is not the focus of our fasting or our end game here. The point of fasting for fire is to get more of Jesus and allow him to get more of us. Fasting is simply an invitation to know God more. It is all for Jesus. It must begin in him, find its source in him, and end with more of him. In all of our fastings, may we get more of Jesus as our reward. Fasting is often a neglected tool in the body of Christ, but like prayer, like worship, it is a spiritual practice. And I see spiritual practices as invitations from God. And fasting is one of these invitations. 
They are times when we feel God prompting us to pray for something specific. It's the same with fasting. We are to allow God to prompt us. And when he does, we are to be obedient to that prompt. Remembering it is not the actual act of our fasting that impresses God, but our obedience to him. Our primary focus in fasting is that our hearts are firmly fixed on Jesus and that we hunger after his purposes. Books on fasting aren't my usual go-to reading material, but I've read a few as I've been thinking about this message, um, usually found by typing fasting into Amazon. Um, one of those books was the book I quoted from a moment ago, Fasting for Fire. Ign the subtitle is Igniting Fresh Hunger to Feast Upon God. And I found that title, it was that title that really caught my attention, especially when you're thinking hunger must resist apathy. So the book's written by a revival historian, and the description of the book says, historically, fasting was never a formula for holiness or a means to manipulate God. In fact, in revival history, the fasting ones were actually the feasting ones, those who single-mindedly aligned themselves with what heaven wanted to release on earth. In the book, there is a list of motivations for fasting, and you can see them on the slide we don't have time to look in depth at all those points, but I want to focus on three. Grow in hunger for God, spiritual warfare, and fasting as an act of consecration to God. So grow in hunger for God. I believe this is key to all the other points. Growing in hunger for God, making him the very center of all we say and do, having our lives focused around him will lead to change. It will bring personal transformation in our lives, causing us to confidently and courageously live as Christians in the world. I talked earlier about what fasting is, that it's the going without food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting produces hunger in us, and that will be physical. Going without food does that. But it also pushes us to hunger after God, to spend time with him. Fasting is really about feasting upon God, using the hunger in us to seek him, his presence, his strength, his power in our lives. Spiritual warfare if we want to see breakthrough, there are times we need to fast. There are obstacles we face. These can be individually. We desire to see change within ourselves or the lives of members in, of our family. But we also want to see change in our country and in specific areas, financially, politically, for example. We know that what we've done in the past is not necessarily going to bring about the change we desire now. We need to do something different. 
In Matthew 17, we read about a ministry trip that the disciples had been on that hadn't quite gone as they had expected. They had attempted to cast out a demon from a boy, and they hadn't been successful. And when debriefing with them, Jesus tells them in Matthew 17, verse 20, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And it continues in the footnote in verse 21, but this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. This is in the footnote as it doesn't appear in all manuscripts. Over time, more copies of the Greek texts have, have been found. And it appears that some of the older, better manuscripts didn't have those words, but this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. But I mention it here as John Tyson, in his book, Beautiful Resistance, makes an interesting point. He says, Jesus' statement to the disciples was a startling revelation. There were certain things that wouldn't change without fasting and prayer. The disciples were up against something that required a new level of desperation and power. They were going to have to press in through prayer and fasting. This kind, the struggle in front of us, will require us to shake off our apathy and numbness and seek him with desperation as we never have before. We will turn to prayer and fasting, for they resist apathy. We can't do things as we've, as we've always done them. We need to follow Holy Spirit in situations. Let him lead us and we will see breakthroughs that would not happen any other way. And finally, we fast as an act of consecration to God. Fasting, rather than a tool of self-denial, is a decision, a choice to enter into a period of allowing God to work in us letting him challenge and change us. Ultimately, Jesus wants our obedience in this. If that means he calls you to fast one day a week, that's what you should do. If he is asking you to fast by cutting out meat or sugar, you do that. It also means if he isn't calling you to fast at this time, you don't. The important thing is to follow his lead and let Jesus instill a greater hunger in you for him and his kingdom. I know I've spoken a lot about fasting, but I want us to remember that we have, we do this for a purpose. I want to read again the quote from Fasting for Fire, which really sums up what fasting is and when we fast, what the impact is in our lives for the kingdom. Fasting is not a formula to get God to do what we want. Fasting is simply one of the gifts or pathways 
to intimacy given to us that can help accelerate our growth in Christ and lead us into deeper union with him. Fasting is simply an invitation to know God more. It is all for Jesus. It must begin in him, find its source in him, and end with more of him. And so if you are able, please stand. As we spend time in Father's presence, I want to start by praying for us that Holy Spirit would, dis, would stir a desire in us to move from apathy to seeking more of God's kingdom. And so let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you breathe on us afresh? Let us hunger after you. Let our desire be for more of you. Lord, would you help us lay aside our fears of what it means to surrender to you? And will you draw us into that place of intimacy? That place where you share your heart with us. Let us be hungry for you. And so as we spend this time in God's presence, just, just talk to him, talk to Father about what, what it means for you to hunger after him. And if you're brave, maybe ask him what he's challenging you to do about that. Whether there is something that you need to, to give up. Whether fasting a meal a day and setting that time aside for Jesus to focus, to pray, to be with him is what he's challenging you in at the moment. want to give us opportunity to respond 
And I want to challenge you this morning um, to step forward and receive prayer. In one way, there's nothing special about coming up the front to receive prayer. In another way, it shows our willingness, our heart, our desire. By stepping forward, we're publicly saying, I want more of you, Jesus. I desire you. I'm hungry for you more than anything else. I want you. And so we'll make some space at, at the front or at the sides. We'll move the chairs out the way. Um, but I want to give this opportunity for people to respond if you feel like God's speaking to your heart and saying, this is, this is something I want you to include in your spiritual practices. Maybe that's something that you've done previously and you've let go of, or maybe it's something new to you. But if you have that sense that God is challenging you to fast, even whether that be one day a week or once a month, whatever that may look like for you, remember it's God initiated. Come forward and let someone pray with you. There's something about having your brothers and sisters in Christ stand with you as you make a commitment to more of God in your life. It may be that um, the whole idea of surrendering things to God and hungering after him just fills you with a bit of trepidation, a bit of fear, that you're not sure what he would ask you to give up. And so if that's you, come and get someone to pray for you. So if you do want to respond, come forward um, just to show that you want prayer and someone from the congregation will actually come. One of our, one of our team, um, a member of the church will come and stand with you and just be there to pray with you.